0: Yeah, so my my main question to talk about is the particular South African solidarity with Palestine. As I was saying, the diplomatic uh, relationship that has kind of come into question with the recent Amnesty International report, what do you think is going to happen with that? So yeah, just those subjects in, in general.
1: I think that um, for, for us in South Africa, um, Our history and the history of the Palestinians, as well as the Israeli regime, is very entwined. Uh, It's undisputed uh, as a fact of history that the apartheid regime received support from uh, the Israeli government, uh, from its formation. In fact, South Africa was one of the very first countries in the world to open up diplomatic relations and to engage and accept and welcome Israel as a a state. Um, And at various stages, comments have been made uh, both by Israelis and uh, apartheid leaders, uh, who have said that um, Israel, like South Africa, is an apartheid state, and it's uh, been consistent and it's been age old. Uh, so the similarities are are absolute, and uh, for us, we we fully understand how uh, some of us, as 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 people who are white, benefited from the apartheid regime in South Africa, and. Uh, for generations, there were benefits of being the uh, ruling elite, uh, the yoke, so to speak, uh, on top of the apartheid system, benefiting immensely, and and for us, um, uh, you know, other people, uh, the majority of our people resonate with the oppression, understand and know the, the history of being oppressed, being deprived of basic human rights and dignity. Um, based entirely on one's complexion uh, or one's history or background um, and being dispossessed of land and being forcefully moved from one space to another uh, and observing um, very important um, and sentimental and um, essential properties and land being stripped from them uh, with no concern uh, whatsoever for their for their well-being and for for their dignity or human rights. So for us, it's it's um, I think South Africans from the solidarity organisations uh, were some of the first to declare and announce. And Desmond Tutu um, was also outspoken, and many of our leaders were outspoken and even our current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, have also said that uh, we understand the history of apartheid. We know what it is to have experienced the apartheid system. And uh, there's a totally uncanny similarity uh, with what's happening to the Palestinian people under the Israeli regime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so I think that is very clear in the minds of, of South Africans of the connection and the similarities with apartheid and in so in, in recent months and for example, last month in February, the African Union made a decision to withhold observer status from Israel. Uh, South Africa has been talking about this upcoming diplomatic change with Israel, which remains kind of in question. So how do you think more African governments are taking action against Israel to you know, enforce the the decision that this is an apartheid state and should be treated as such?
1: Well, I mean, uh, traditionally and um, since African countries uh, found their independence and since the apartheid regime was removed and democracy prevailed in this country, um, the vast majority of African countries have aligned themselves and supported the Palestinian people um in fact nelson mandela upgraded the diplomatic relations and recognized uh, palestine statehood and invited arafat and arafat uh, hosted by mandela received uh, an award from South africa a very important diplomatic symbolic award from nelson mandela to to arafat because uh, historically uh, there was no doubt that the african national congress and the liberation movements uh, were bedfellows with uh, Arafat and the Palestinian Liberation movements. Uh, so there's this historic link um, that, that goes back and predates uh, the the, the uh, current leadership. And that history is entrenched in struggle, entrenched in fighting against imperialism and the colonial uh, oppression of, of the um, indigenous uh, and working class majority. And, um, it's important to reflect on that because Israel has, however, uh, since the majority rule had come to African countries, Israel has been hell-bent on trying to find ways, particularly in South Africa. And uh, so so uh, Israel has made a big, put in a huge amount of effort to try uh, influence our political discourse, discourse, to try use us uh, as a country that gives them legitimacy. Um, and uh, they successfully managed to maintain and, and, and continue the apartheid relationship for the formative years of our young democracy. Uh, of course, the call for boycott sanctions and divestment happened quite late, but uh, subsequent to that, and we were part of the original group uh, leading this call in South Africa, supporting the call in South Africa, that is, uh, it, was, um, it was clear that we had an obligation to enforce um, and to push our government to, to, to do the right thing. So many of us activists went and uh, uh, participated in the uh, political freedoms we have and influenced a conference of the ruling party. Myself, I was in uh, about seven provincial uh, African National Congress uh, elective con- uh, conferences and uh, policy conferences. And then in the national conference, both the policy one and then the final one in Nazareth, which saw sir Ramba Kwaza being elected, but also saw the adoption of the uh, um, resolution. To immediately and unconditionally downgrade the uh, embassy of South Africa and Israel to a liaison office. Now it was hard, hard fought for because um, the use of checkbook politics, um, corruption, uh, as well as the um, the manipulation and um, abuse of the imperialist nations, particularly the United States, to try and intimidate our 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 country and our people from taking firm or solid positions. I mean, in the one commission, we had uh, a person who was very senior uh, stand up and say, the problem is comrades that uh, if we take action, the Jewish community would divest and they would leave South Africa and they own all the industry and so on. uh, But economically, uh, the Jewish community, which sadly a large amount of, have been uh, uh, supportive of the Israeli regime. Not all, they are definitely notable and very, uh, principled exceptions, but uh, the, 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 the majority, unfortunately, are characterized as, uh, in fact, self-determined by their own representatives as being Zionists or pro-Israel. Mm. So I think uh, we must acknowledge that um, the adoption of that resolution by the ruling party was a massive breakthrough, a hard-fought-for breakthrough, um, and, and, and the implementation of that resolution has not been fully implemented. But we have legitimately withdrawn our ambassador to Israel and not returned one for over two years, which is a huge insult for a country like ours to take uh, mm. against uh, the apartheid regime of Israel. I don't know if that's helpful.
0: No, that that's very helpful. And just understanding the role that you played in moving the government forward and taking this action. So can you describe more about that process in particular about... Africa for Palestine, other groups going and lobbying the, the ANC and trying to get it to take this action in support of Palestine?
1: So we, we as an organization have, many of us, myself included, have histories that are very entwined with the struggle for freedom in South Africa. Uh, our board has uh, Comrade Chilabaso, who's a CC, a Communist Party Central Committee member. Uh, we have Hegris uh, Magama, Uh, the former uh, chairperson of international relations for the South Africa's parliament. We have uh, Farid Isak, the founder of Call of Islam, a Muslim movement against the apartheid regime. Sheila Basel, by the way, is Jewish. Um, We have a variety of of, of people in our organization's leadership who have very intimate relations and history with uh, the uh, liberation movement, but also we understand how the ruling party operates. And initially, if I'm to put everything out there, initially we found very little support from many of the solidarity activists, and we were disappointed by that. We also found that uh, uh, what we thought was a no, um, what we thought was an obvious position to adopt, and not even that radical, because we, we didn't even push for the full closure or shutdown. We just pushed for a downgrade. Uh, we thought it was achievable and it turned out to be a massive 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 fight Uh, there are nine provinces in South Africa the ruling party um, the party uh, African National Congress which Nelson Mandela and others led, and at that time Jacob Zuma and now Cyril Cyril, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, we we had to go to regions and provinces and address and uh, uh, engage at lunchtime and phone people and meet them, and it was, uh, it was an incredibly, incredibly tough campaign because we were met with resistance, and, uh, and I'll say the resistance came top-down. The resistance came from the then Minister of International Relations, who would have probably been in cahoots with uh, President uh, Jacobs, uh, Jacob Zuma. Uh, so we really had a tough, tough, tough battle. Um, corruption and uh, all these other elements may well have played a part to the resistance, uh, but for the first time, we actually managed to uh, defeat the uh, deep state or the old guard uh, who had um, clearly indicated to us that they did not want this resolution. And when we got to the elective conference two years later, after have, having been to in excess of 40 or 45 uh, conferences where people were voting for their regional and provincial leaders and so on, and discussing all sorts of uh, uh, policy issues, but obviously the main focus at that time was who's going to be president and a lot sort of contestation. Uh, at the elective conference, which elected the now president from the ruling party, the ANC, we managed to get that resolution increased from downgrade relations to a, a liaison office, a, a increasing it from that to immediate and unconditional downgrade uh, mm-hmm. of the SA into a liaison office. So we even upped the stakes because we realized we'd done our work. And uh, we, 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 we managed to get that resolution ultimately with, with no um, objection. It was an uncontested resolution, a unanimous resolution. But it was really, really, really hard fought for because there's no doubt that uh, the Israeli interference and manipulation had penetrated and still has certain influence on uh, 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 senior leaders in our government. And uh, so for us, it was a, it was a massive fight. Uh, there was a lot of blood on the floor. People whose feelings we had really hurt because uh, we 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 took it on uh, very very militantly because uh, we 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 were a single focused group on one issue, and our one issue was this resolution. It was so extreme, in fact, that at the uh, they had the commission on international relations any person i mean we got we got chief mandela mandela to come and address us as an anc leader eastern cape we got um halima MacLandley, the former president uh, was the last to speak and uh, fortunately so he said the position is clear in the commission we got bongani masuku we personally engaged him and got him to say it from Kosatu because uh, one of the claims against us was that no uh, it's going to affect jobs in South Africa and right. the unions will be okay with it. So we got Kosatu to come to the commission as an alliance partner and support mm-hmm. it. We got Solima Paila, the second deputy secretary general of the SACP, to support it publicly. We got religious leaders, Michael Lapsley, Michael, Father Michael Lapsley, Father Michael Wida to support it prior to the conference. We even had to fight elements that had tried to say it's not what the Palestinians want. So we right. successfully got letters sent. From Hamas and from the PA uh, and the PLO to support uh, this position, we got the former ambassador of Palestine decided to support the position, so that all the arguments that were being used against us were not applicable, and we really right. had to do what we need, uh, as activists in our organization. Uh, at that time, we were BDS, and then we expand expanded right. to Palestine, and uh, it really was uh, it really was massive. Uh, our organization. And i'm not saying this to boast but you know it's the first time yeah. anyone's actually asked me about it and the reality right. is our little organization successfully changed a 50-year or so foreign policy from right. uh, our country through working the branches and the structures of the ruling party successfully
0: right.
1: and uh, it was it was uh it was a massive uh fight and then a very uh successful victory at the end mm. i hope we didn't oh. I hope come across as too that the no. most Really, really fought and worked hard.
0: No, because it's such a commendable effort and it clearly took a lot of of effort. So the the outcome is incredible.
1: Yeah. We were so hardcore. Mm. Uh, I don't mind this video being shared because it's the truth. We were so hardcore that we had a WhatsApp group Mm -hmm. and we had our own interactions with numerous of delegates that flooded this International Relations Committee. It was the mm-hmm. most vibrant, the most attended International Relations Commission that the ANC had ever seen we're since 1950, uh, because people were now interested in this issue. And on top of it, we managed to get over 35 speakers, one after the other, to say this and that, and, and then to end whatever they were saying with, therefore, we resolved to support as our branch or as our province. Therefore, we mm-hmm. resolved to support The immediate, unconditional downgrade of the SA embassy into. If somebody failed to say the whole, the the, the whole speech, they were like a sellout. So we were, we were so brutal. We couldn't go there and say we love Palestine and so on. Mm -hmm. Had to be immediate. Had to be unconditional. Had to be liaison of, because we didn't want to lose any, lose any, leave anything to 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 chance. Right. So I hope that's that's helpful. But it was really quite, uh, quite incredible. And in fact. In a conference where nothing else was agreed upon in the ANC, right? Every other issue was contested between Moses yeah. faction and Cyril Ramaphosa's faction. Mm-hmm. This was the only resolution that we managed to get support from all sides. It was a massive. But, uh,
0: and it, It's incredible, and I think it it represents a huge shift in in opinion uh, in South Africa, as you're saying, in in changing the foreign policy establishment with respect to Israel, but. Do you mind talking a little bit too about the group changing from just being BDSSA and changing into Africa for Palestine, becoming more of a a continent-wide effort of promoting African governments to do the exact same thing to take action in support of Palestine, why South Africa has been the leader on this front, but now there's an initiative to try and, and, and how is Africa for Palestine trying to take this effort to other countries?
1: well with the au development and also after succeeding to to influence national policy here we felt that uh, there's a deficit of activism around the the continent uh, and that it was too centered in south africa and I, I think it still remains that way fortunately following our formation other organizations have also kind of copied us and are doing the same which is great because the more the merrier so there is a kind of uh, emergence of a lot more activity on the continent uh, some of it is to outdo us, and some of it's because uh, people see the need, and uh, but all of it well intended in terms of getting the Palestinian cause uh, adopted fully. For us, we had uh, we had ideological challenges with the BNC. Uh, we did feel that um, you know we we we're very proud to work with people like uh, Miko and uh, with Leila Khalid and a number of of, um, of people. And I think the BNC uh, pandas, uh, and I think some of the global movement pandas, a bit too much into the neoliberal um, uh, American uh, approach. Uh, you know, we, we picked up on the fact that the BDS, when we were BDS, we couldn't openly host Hamas. We couldn't openly host Layla. We, there were a number of limitations. And ours right. was that we should be able to work with everyone. We're not puppets of any political party, but we're not afraid. Right. To see the value in the various formations and we're not afraid to be seen as being pro-communist or being radical we're not afraid of being called terrorists but we understand that the bnc the bds uh, broadly uh, was particularly afraid of that because maybe they're trying to influence the u.s congress and that's right. not the way to... but for us in this continent we and in south africa we, we've got quite a radical government uh, with a history of uh, struggle and uh, History of uh, we were we were on the communist side of the Cold War. We received our support from China and Russia and Cuba and uh, Venezuela and so on. Our allies, not our enemies. So it 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 it, 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 it was limiting, and uh, we felt that the time had served. We also had internal issues and so on, where we felt that uh, we were being uh, told what to do, and we just felt the time had now come to release it. And uh, initially, we didn't change our name because we didn't want a vacuum, but then a coalition whom uh, we don't really have a working relationship with, but a coalition was set up. And for us, that meant uh, we could now change our name and and, and, and focus on ourselves and the, the, the work in Africa without the limitations of focusing right. on. Because, uh, I mean, uh, some of us hold the view that Hamas have every right to hold the gun. Some of yeah. us hold it that uh, people have a right to fight violently, if need be, militantly, if need be. And we're not apologetic about it. We don't need to... You know, whereas when you were when we were using a brand that that was afraid of being seen as being a terrorist and so on, we found we were sometimes pushed to tiptoe around uh, the simple right of um, self-defense and the use of violence was in South Africa as well. Self-defense is uh, even the fight for liberation was even slightly beyond self-defense. Why shouldn't one fight for their alliance, for their for their for their for their rights yeah. so uh, there were some issues and it was just a, a, a combination of factors and um we're very happy with how things are currently and i think everyone's happy it's all the better the movements have grown in south africa and taken a life of their right. own and we 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 believe we were a sizable part of uh, igniting that raging fire Uh, You know, we went from writing almost every press statement for every political party from every union on Palestine to seeing people writing their own. And they're like, this is fantastic. So there may be bad blood between some and others, but really the bigger issue is not about judging anyone. It's it's about are people doing the work and is the movement growing? And it truly is growing in South Africa. It has grown. Uh, We don't even need to all like each other. It doesn't matter. It's even a contested space. Imagine... Being, uh, you, you, you get the opposite in the United States of America. There, mm-hmm. everyone wants to get bed with Israel. You can't mm-hmm. win any election in the US unless you shake hands with an Israeli uh, ambassador and, and, and pledge uh, higher military spending like your current deputy president. You mm-hmm. don't emerge. Over here is the opposite. You try to find any image of any senior minister or deputy minister or president uh, 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 being cozy with the ambassador of Israel, with one exception, and that is when credentials are handed over. It's a standard right. thing. When an ambassador comes to your country. You either need to say we don't want relations, or you need to shake hands and take the credentials. And the question: there was an outcry recently about civil taking the credentials, and um, maybe that's good. I think it's very good because we should look at shutting and ending relations. But at the moment, we right. never resolve to get rid of the the, the, the Israeli ambassador in South Africa to end relations. So, right. so uh, outside of the credentials, you'll not find any. It's like. Um, people are afraid to be seen as way associated yeah. with israel you' not you don't do it yeah. uh, which is fantastic because uh, just 10 15 years ago everyone would host the israeli ambassador which was normal right. right an ambassador you host all ambassadors whereas yeah. now it's a pariah uh, right. in fact it's rather pathetic and uh, <laughs> it must be rather embarrassing being israel sort of Pitifully, desperately maintaining a diplomatic presence in a country that's rejected you in every which way, right? Right.
0: And, right and to, to, to you know, to come from an American perspective, I mean that that is incredibly refreshing to hear that you guys have actually made such a huge impact on the, the levels of discourse about Israel and Palestine. Because comparatively, in the U.S., like like you said, criticism of Israel here is tantamount to, uh, you know, disloyalty to the cause of, of the United States. And, and it ends up being a politically very, very toxic to associate with Palestine. And it's incredible to hear that in South Africa, it's the opposite and that support for Palestine is rapidly becoming a, the consensus opinion. Um, I'm curious also about how South Africa's history is kind of a unique factor in shaping that. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, Hamas, for an example, and the the history of armed struggle in South Africa, like Umkhonto we against the apartheid regime, definitely shapes in people's minds the notion, as you as you said, which would be again rejected here in the U.S. That people who are colonized have a right to liberation; they have a right to violent struggle to free themselves from colonial, settler colonial occupation. So, how does South Africa? The experience of resistance to apartheid and the many different ways that found itself. You also mentioned the Communist Party in South Africa having a huge history of communist politics, and that is definitely more inclined to support Palestine. So, I'm I'm curious about how the specific history of South Africa has led to
1: that. We 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 know we know that Nelson Mandela and all our heroes were called terrorists by America, hate mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Margaret Thatcher, everyone called our liberation leaders terrorists. Condoleezza Rice was the was 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 the person who removed Nelson Mandela from the terrorist mm-hmm. list. Up until then, Nelson Mandela was on the terrorist list uh, in the U.S. Ironically, Clinton and others came for for the uh, inauguration and so on, but an oversight left Mandela on the terrorist list even right. later than that. So you know, it's just uh, very very clear that when 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 we hear the us speaking uh, we and, and even mass media and dominant media telling us day after day that certain people are the devil we we we've, we've learned to have to be uh, cautious of believing it and uh, we 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 certainly uh, uh, don't conform to the 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 indoctrination that I think Western countries... I mean, in South Africa, it'd be a scandal if somebody had to raise their hand and say, I pledge my allegiance to the flag of South Africa. That's indoctrination in our country. Uh, Why should someone even like our flag in South Africa? We have freedom of speech. We are a democratic country. We don't indoctrinate people. So on many, many levels, we think the West is uh, also indoctrinated. And uh, there's a belief that... uh, I mean, if you look at the Ukrainian issue, I mean, Uh, We don't want to um, belittle any person's uh, suffering, but it is really uh, incredible how Mm. organizations that told us boycotting doesn't work, organizations and countries that tried to ban boycotts as a method of solidarity are now overtly using entirely the boycott sanctions method to apply pressure on Putin. Because they actually came across somebody they want to fight who has nuclear power, and so now right. they 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 actually can't just use their guns uh, like they would normally. If it were not for the nukes that Putin had, the U.S. and everyone would have invaded invaded uh, Russia. I'm not saying Russia's right or Putin's right, but I am saying that right. there's a huge hypocrisy and a dishonesty in the narrative. And uh, here in South Africa, we're watching this thing, and we sympathetic and we think it's horrible and this and that, but we're totally totally aware that there's some racism in yeah. uh, seeing the suffering of one group and not the other uh, yeah. it's as if for decades the palestinian people have been invisible mm-hmm. and uh, ukrainians are visible from day one right uh, like the glasses are clear on one side and totally dull and mm-hmm. blinded on the other uh, yeah. in fact it was really hurtful seeing videos of palestinians suffering being mislabeled as ukrainian suffering and then suddenly it was millions of views and a scandal images mm-hmm. of a young girl challenging a soldier now this was a scandal the world cared about because it didn't write palestinian israel it said ukraine russian but the no. same video it misrepresented fake news but it just goes to show how if it's ukraine the west cares yeah it's uh, palestine the west doesn't care the same no. video uh, and for us, it's, it, it it just kind of, uh, so yeah, I think we we have a different perspective to, to Americans. Uh, of course, there are those in South Africa that have a similar perspective to Americans, but they don't, they're not represented by the majority party and by the majority of our people. Here, um, people were aware, even in townships, that Reagan and them were supporting a party. Uh, the former deputy ambassador of America to South Africa uh, spoke shortly before he died, saying that the CIA was involved in catching Nelson Mandela for his 27 years in jail. The same country comes to our inauguration and celebrates Mandela's freedom. The hypocrisy and uh, so on uh, is clear, but the history is clear as well. We don't, we don't forget what, um, I mean, Iraq was unacceptable. Afghanistan was accept- unacceptable. Uh, there's a video of Mandela criticizing the unilateral invasion of Iraq by Bush and others, uh, by Bush. And uh, uh, but the UN and everyone didn't react the same way. Saddam wasn't the nicest guy. Putin's not the nicest guy. But the principle is inconsistent in how right. the world is responding. Uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy, and I think. I think so I, I I think that's that. I mean, we 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 just have a. We have a different outlook. I mean, Fidel Castro was a hero to us here, yeah. for those who were involved in freedom. Uh, for us, we 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 greatly uh, respected and looked up to um, Arafat, and uh, we we understood uh, we ch- we chose uh, you know the the inspiration for freedom here was um, found also in the belief of an equal society, a communal society, a sort of communist society uh, as opposed to a a big business, capitalist, industrial, top-down system. So we did find ourselves uh, um, uh, and and pushed as well because uh, the US was heavily invested in apartheid South Africa and um, that, that obviously even pushed us to be more anti. Uh, the U.S., etc. You know,
0: right? No, that that makes perfect sense, and I'm I'm curious too about you know as you were talking about Ukraine, it was making me think about these new videos and you know me and uh, the media perception of allowing Ukrainians to you know like teaching them how to use Molotov cocktails and teaching them to resist occupation and everything and and how if that was applied to Palestine, but also to think about during apartheid, very, very similar uh, perspective for South Africans to say, we won't allow, from the US perspective, we won't allow armed struggle, you have to be nonviolent, you have to, you know, figure out a way to resist this, this horrible apartheid system, but it can't be violent. Uh, and how, when, when it comes to Ukraine, that's totally thrown out the window. There's this general recognition of, you know, people can use arms. We will actually come and fund you and give you arms. Mm -hmm. So that hypocrisy is very, very apparent when it comes to a struggle for non-white people in the the global South against imperialism, against colonialism, like in Palestine and South Africa. And it, it makes sense why there's such solidarity in South Africa, because I think the opinion of the West has been has been similar in both instances in in Palestine and South Africa towards uh, this, you know, this struggle against imperialism
1: and, and colonialism. Hmm. You know, it's um, it was the same old, same old animal farm. Situation. Um, some animals, you know, are <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> more equal yeah. than, than others. Yeah. I mean, um, it's very difficult because um, I do think that the the Ukrainian, Russian, American situation as a history is complicated, but I'm very cautious not to support or justify the behavior of Putin, but it's very difficult for us in the left, I think, because we look at this thing and we think, well... Why is it everyone cares so much more about this person? And I mean, recently I spoke to an American friend of mine, and I was saying to her, look, you're a white woman, you're a lawyer and so on. Let's say um, you're sexually harassed by somebody in the legal fraternity. And, um, well, let me use a different example. You're a, she, you know, she, the other example I used with her is that she's uh, victimized or targeted or treated in a rude way. Not even harassed, but treated in a terribly overt, rude way. Not a a kind of, um, everybody can see it being done to her. It's in public. It's not in a corner or whatever, right? Being abused. So she's abused by even a judge, abused. And and, 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 And the judge gets dealt with decisively. There's a process that's removed and there's a huge scandal and everything. That's wonderful, you know, that the judge or a person will be held accountable for abusing or victimizing a a woman. Um, But then if you find out that that the same judge did it to 10 black women, Mm. then fuck all happened. Excuse my language, but nothing happened. Then, you know, as much as it's good, maybe to show solidarity or to be concerned and so on, even if it is well-intended, which I I dare say, I'm not convinced that this Western support is well-intended. Right. But, um, uh, but even if it is well intended, um, you can't not ask your question, what about the other 10 women who happen to be not white that you didn't even acknowledge were being abused when exactly the same thing happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 so it's difficult because you don't just say, stop caring about uh, the pregnant Ukrainian woman who's in this situation. But at the same time, how how do we explain the behavior and the response in contrast to the numerous of uh, Muslim or non white, non Western countries that have endured same or worse suffering with extreme brutality and have been totally ignored and not even not even acknowledged, right? And, uh, recognized as being abused. Never mind the action that happened. In fact, even worse. The perpetrators getting a raise every year from the same Western power that's uh, meant to is now holding Russia accountable. I mean, right. all the Palestinian people and what, oh, what we want is for the U.S. to stop funding Israel's oppression of the Palestinian people. Mm. Never mind going in and stopping Israel from doing it. But, but the U.S. is paying for that oppression. Mm. So you can't be more hypocritical than to care so much for the Ukrainians. And to continue putting guns and bombs in the in the Israeli hands to oppress the Palestinians—it's a real problem. And and I think it's uh, this contradiction, fortunately, uh, is 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 being noticed quite broadly, I think. And it's an important development because I think before hypocrisy would just happen and no one could even highlight it, you know? Right.
0: No, exactly. And people are picking up on that and, and understanding ah. that the the U.S. perspective is. Is hypocritical, and it's not just because of a, you know, policy difference, but it's because of a, a tactical decision to focus on one thing, but the struggle of other people is is ignored for a for a deliberate reason. It doesn't work for the the U.S. interests. Um, I'm I'm curious on that note too. I, I think uh, asking about Africa for Palestine's uh, efforts beyond just doing media or doing like diplomatic, uh, you know, persuasion as you were talking about, but real, um, you know, impacts on, on, on supply chains, for example. So uh, during the bombing of, of Gaza, in last May, I know that there was a there were very uh, notable incidents of South African workers in the in the ports, for example, boycotting and, and refusing to ship Israeli goods. And Having a real economic impact on on uh, on Israel in a way very similar to how dockworkers workers during apartheid had refused to participate in shipping goods to South Africa so I'm curious how involved the organization is in actions like those and promoting this disruption in the in the supply chain against
1: Israel it um, used to be our entire focus um, we um we had numerous campaigns. One called the uh, "Boycott Woolworths" campaign, mm-hmm. where we even did a wonderful. Pharrell uh, <laughs> Williams was flown down to really? sanitize the uh, Woolworths uh, uh, brand
0: mm-hmm. amidst
1: our boycott Woolworths campaign, mm-hmm. and uh, we we won a court case the the week of his performance at one uh, here in Cape Town, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a court case because they wanted us to have some measly 300 or some small number of people outside the venue protesting, whereas we wanted huge numbers. Mm. And, um, when we won, we went and <laughs> put together the money we could get and everything. We built a stage outside mm-hmm. the venue and we got a whole bunch of South African artists. We had our own performance outside his as wow. a solidarity performance in, uh, for, for, for the Palestinian mm-hmm. people. That's awesome. And, um, I'll send you a, a video that we had done when we were the, the PDS. So That'd we have, you know, yeah. it's the same, it's the same board, the same organisation and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, we've now shifted our focus somewhat towards also building more people-to-people relations and being a catalyst to try get, uh, you know, the, uh, our focus is on South African organisations. Uh, our, our focus is on African organisations. We 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 understand the mandate of various Palestinian solidarity organisations in South Africa, and we know that they. They're busy, but um, we, we we work with um, black township communities. We work with political parties. Uh, we held a press conference and uh, various events with uh, with as much as seven or eight different political parties. Uh, so we want, and we believe that South Africans and Africans can own the issue as they own, not uh, because they're Palestine, this and that, but as a South African political party. In fact, I must say to you, and this is, an open secret to those who have been uh, either spying on us from Mossad and so on or, or those who have been following us closely. Uh, I really envy the, the apex and so on. Uh, I want South Africa to be a place where if you don't go to some conference somewhere and say, I love Palestine, you've got no chance of winning an election <laughs> uh-huh. here. Uh, I, want the, I, want, I, I want what the Israeli lobby has done there to become right. ours. And, 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 and I think we're, we're, we've come a long, long way achieving that. Um, There's not a single leader in our national government that would dare uh, uh, say anything pro-Israeli. In fact, there's not even a single leader who would criticize Palestine publicly at that national level because uh, they know that there's a backlash waiting to, 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 to catch them if they if they do that. So I was kind of developed into trying to promote the issue to be owned by Korsatou, by SACP, by even the EFF,
0: Mm. uh, the
1: NFP, good political party called Good Party, uh, uh, UDM. uh, There was a variety of political parties, AIC. um, When we got them to pledge their support to Palestine, it was a big victory in getting them to participate in protests. Did a billboard campaign where we managed to get political parties that pledged their support to Palestine, we gave them a billboard with their message on Palestine, with their photo of their leader or their uh, um, political party, uh, and 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 and, and uh, we stand with Palestine, or stop defying international law, and so on, and then we did this campaign prior to elections. So, you know, the perception, I think, in South Africa more and more is, you know, what, if you want to achieve on a national level, uh, you, you don't want to be seen. Even the main opposition, which is viewed as being uh, pro-Israel, uh, mm. is not overtly pro-Israel. In yeah. fact, there was an incident where we had the Palestinian march and we said, any party can come forward and speak. And one of the top national leaders wanted to address the rally.
0: Mm. And
1: then uh, the people chased them off the stage. But it was the people themselves. We <laughs> were not stopping them mm-hmm. from, from talking. But I mean, mm. even the DA wanted to talk. A guy called Yusuf Kasim mm. tried to talk at our Qabeja rally. And I was on the stage emceeing, and I was like, okay, well, let the man talk. I mm. made a big mistake, because once you got the mic, people started screaming and yelling, because they were like, don't you dare. There's one thing to be pro-Israel or be in an organization that's pro-Israel. Another thing to come and try to convince or hoodwink these masses that uh, you actually support Palestine when everybody right. knows your party is not aligned. But that's mm. how kind of uh, dominant, uh, I, I believe, the, um, the, the the Palestinian solidarity is. And, and so mine is to say that, look, we do look at the boycotts and we do look at uh, um, the uh, ongoing uh, sanctions, uh, but we we also looking at things like how do we uh, change the visa regime to enable Palestinians to come here more easy? Uh, how how do we ensure that there aren't these diplomatic inroads because that's kind of uh, um, a big concern is that that, that you know suddenly you realise but wait all this checkbook politics of Israel worked and they got this observer status uh, countries that were We'd never dream of being affiliated with Israel, suddenly uh, allowing Israeli presence. Yeah, that, that, that was very concerning for us. So we've done a lot of meetings with a lot of senior people to try block that block um, that, that the inroads they're getting. But um, strategically, I think our, our, our view is that uh, when the Palestinian cause has been successfully adopted by the Syrian people, uh, we just need it to be part of the DNA of every organization. Uh, the, and a requirement to, to, to in the political and and even the religious spaces and so on. More and more um, people are not okay with uh, this kind of immoral association with the uh, apartheid regime. Uh, the, the victory is actually close to one on the the ground here, because the vast majority and the vast majority of political parties and everyone um, are uh, even contesting around who is more radical around the issue.
0: Right.
1: so so, you know um, contestation is good and uh, we certainly don't own the struggle and uh, no one owns the struggle Uh, sanctions, boycotts, divestment are a uh, tactic that must be used in the struggle combined with many tactics like building relations providing support uh, uh, continuously uh, entrenching the Palestinian narrative uh, so that uh, no one can ever um, not know I mean, it's incredible. You know, decade ago, people didn't know where Palestine was. We go to rallies, and they'd say Pakistan instead of Palestine. Uh-huh. They just make these mistakes. And and now, you know, we we used to have to do all the interviews. Us and and obviously other Palestinian solidarity activists would have to do all the interviews. And now. Uh, uh, you can get a speaker from the ANC or from COSATU or from the SACP or from the EFF or from Good Party or from ATM or from, uh, the list goes on and on and on, SAFTU, from NUMSA, from everywhere, uh, you, you know, none of them are going to defy the pro-Palestine principle and on top of it they're actually going to be able to articulate it better than I can in fact. People know, even, even our communities in townships know about Palestine, and they have time for it. They'll talk about it. They care about it. And it's really heartwarming to see how the issue is really, truly owned, not just by some NGOs like us, but owned by South African organizations that have entwined it in their day-to-day being. I mm-hmm. mean, we've seen, um, we've seen real estate agents. Uh, um, there was one real estate agent who put up a, a photo of I stand with Israel during the Gaza attacks. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we um, phoned this one guy, and He's a big business person, and he phoned that property company. He said, "That's it. He's cancelling uh, this development where they were going to build 72 flats. He's wow. cancelled. He's not going to do it with them." Then next thing, this guy is sending an apology. He puts a photo. This, this uh, real estate guy puts a photo of himself with the Palestinian flag, saying, uh-huh. sorry. I didn't understand the issue." Then uh, they phone and they beg for the business back, and then this guy says, "No, no, no. Uh, only if you um, uh, so you, you know that's fine." Uh, if you do this apology, but also you're going to have to donate the proceeds you get of two of the flats to Africa for Palestine Fantastic. in order to to do it. Yeah. So, you know, the same kind of um, crazy, strong pro-Israel behavior you see in the U.S., we're actually getting yeah. it pro-Palestine here. Like, you don't get away with putting I stand with Israel right. on your Facebook because right. uh, there are repercussions. And that's, that's really um, quite wonderful, you know, for, for us to see.